Good afternoon, everybody. It's uh, Friday, April the 20th, 4.20, for those of you uh, who think that date's significant. Um, this is Christian Thwaites from Brian Janikowski. And I'm Emily Takenvertz, and let's get started. So, Christian, for a couple of months now, there really hasn't been a clear direction to the stock market. We've gotten some volatility. It's come back after last year. Do you see this trend uh, continuing for the rest of the year, or do you see it um, kind of leveling out um, on a more kind of consistent up or down trajectory? Yes, we'll get a lot of thought to this. Uh, uh, basically, start from the present, pres uh, from the premise that markets are very good forward indicators. You know, sometimes they're six months ahead, sometimes a year, but they're very rarely coincident indicators. So. I think what's happening in 2017 and the tax uh, cuts, the, the market anticipated a lot of good earnings coming through, and indeed they are, and we're coming off a very good, uh, or co coming in the middle of a very good earnings seasons for the first quarter of 2018. Earnings are up 17, 18% year over year. Um, but I, I think what the market's now looking at is in in, in six to nine months, as rates gradually increase, which we know they're going to, uh, is the economy going to perhaps stall out a little bit? And is it not going to grow? I think most people think, including ourselves, it's not going to grow at the three to three and a half percent rate, which the administration and the tax uh, cut bill presumed it'll grow at something less than that. And then the question is, uh, you know, how how much how much weaker could that growth be from the predicted three percent? Um, and so they're putting all that together. And then I, I, I think there's some also two other things. One, one is the perpetual sort of background noise of, uh, of, of political changes, which is surely testing the market's patience, although it's getting a little bit inured to <laughs> some of the, some of the uh, tweets, certainly. Um, and then there's simply profit taking going on. People are still sitting on 10, 20% profits year over year, much more if you've been in some of the leading stocks. So I think what's going to happen, we're in a sort of period where for the next few months, we're generally going to be range bound uh, in stocks, probably in bonds as well. And there'll be a lot of uh, news. And then we're kind of back to our favorite uh, adage that, you know, prices change more often than fundamentals. And I think the fundamentals are Solid, not not as not astounding. Uh, they're they're good, but there's going to be no sort of blowouts uh, to to the upside, and that's really what the market's trying to deal with now. Speaking to that kind of political noise that you alluded to, um, why do you find that you know perhaps last year the market seemed a little bit more immune or less tuned into that political noise? You had you know kind of. Uh, the verge of nuclear war last year didn't make a dent in the market, you know. Uh, but we've certainly seen the volatility um, and, and much more sensitivity to kind of that political chatter. Is that simply just because the politics are now involving economic things such as trade? Or what do you make of that difference? No, I think you put your finger on it. I think, uh, you know, things got real. Um, for most of 2017, the administration was in, in an impasse, you know, a, a lot of uh, heat and a lot of noise, but not a lot of substance, a lot of accomplishment. And then things began to change with the tax changes. And, and we talked a lot about those and um, their sort of long-term deleterious effects on the economy. Um, and then clearly this year, it's been the trade talks. And that really ha has the market worried because of this tit-for-tat retaliation. You're up against you know, the single largest 
trading partner we have, second largest economy in the world, um, and 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 that disturbs confidence. Um, although, the, as we mentioned the other day in the in the blog, the numbers aren't that big. I mean, the U.S. can withstand a hundred billion dollars hit to its GDP. It's a twenty trillion dollar economy, but I think it's the uncertainty which prevails and means that you know companies and businesses on the import or the exporting side. Pretty much anywhere in the world right now may be up against a lot of uh, they don't know what prices they're going to get, they don't know what volumes they're going to be allowed, if there's going to be any sort of change in their input prices. So that I think has created a little bit more uncertainty, and that's the difference from last year, mm-hmm. where I think the market was able to sort of take most of the uh, political noise and messaging sort of in its stride. Now it seems like you've got two fairly big things: the economy, you know, working with the tax cuts, and then the trade talk and the uncertainty over that. So. It's a slightly different, and, and I think a more, uh, you know, a, a more l- less confident market, mm-hmm. and that's showing up for sure in the volatility numbers. And you know that is something new because even you know to the beginning of the year we saw pretty good business and consumer confidence numbers. Um, and you know it sounds like to me that you're saying, do you think then the kind of market, the the stock market effects of the um, the the tax law um, have basically already been baked in, and now are no there's no really much more to that um, that that will carry the market up the, and forward. Yeah, I think they are baked. I mean, the, the, the tax changes had you know, sort of one immediate effect, and then the hope mm-hmm. for longer term. Right. So the one immediate effect is companies' tax bills go down. Boom, done. Just bake that straight into the prices. Someone like Berkshire Hathaway, earning $23, $24 billion a year. That was a $7 billion direct credit down to the bottom line just with the tax change. No other business conditions had to change. Mm-hmm. So that's that sort of happened. The second leg of it, the kind of the theory behind tax cuts is that it leads to greater confidence, greater investment, more employees, higher wages, more general business confidence. I don't think has happened. Right. And I think what the market's struggling with is this gap between the soft data and the hard data. So the soft data comes out first, and it's things like PMIs, Michigan Consumer Confidence. It's the NFIB surveys. It says, how do you feel about things? And generally, at the beginning of the year, I feel good about things. Uh, but that soft confidence, which can be very good to the market in the short term, people say, I'm going to go out and buy. I'm going to go out and invest. I'm going to go out and pay more. Um, I'm going to go and ship more, Um, then has to wait until the actual hard data comes along. And what's been happening is there's been this gap between the soft data, generally pretty buoyant, and the hard data, which has been generally been, meh, not so good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, again, not enough to trip into anything uh, panicky, but just not as upbeat as as, uh, uh, the numbers. Just, I mean, the industrial production numbers were okay, Mm -hmm. nothing great. You know, up about four percent year on year, but nothing. You know, not breaking out of a trend that they'd seen a couple of years ago. Housing came in last week again, was sort of running at the one point three million units, which is, seems to be where you know where it seems to be topping out. Uh, you know, consumer credit wasn't up very much uh, the week before. The the Fed's beige book. Uh, you know, we kind of looked through it this year, this this week, and you know, all the twelve Fed districts. I mean, they're talking about things like modest growth and uh, you know, soft pricing and 
hey, these aren't particularly strong, you know, robust uh, knock them out of the park numbers. So I think what we're seeing is this, it, the gap between the soft and the hard data and the market still struggling with the fact that the hard data is not coming along as powerfully as one thought it might be. And what if that hard data does, does in fact not come along? I mean, how long is the, the market going to wait? I think then we're just range bound, you know, because okay. it's not enough to tip people over to start saying, okay, capacity utilization is going to drop, uh, you know, we're going to have to shed workers. We're certainly not at that point, but it's just not that it's, uh, you know, very, very strong numbers where everyone can say, okay, uh, you know, Christmas has come early and we can really celebrate. I, I think the market is still digesting a lot of the um, increases, which is saw in 2017. Interesting, the market's got gradually cheaper. Mm-hmm. You know, about this time last year, we were on a forward P of you know seventeen, nearly eighteen, and now it's sort of sixteen and seventeen. It doesn't sound very much, but that's you know that's a good, that's almost an eight uh, percent you know improvement in its in its affordability in, mm-hmm. its, in its cheapness. And I'd rather see the market a little bit on the cheap side than on the expensive side. I want to turn now to the yield curve because we saw it go to a very narrow narrow point this week. Um, and we've talked about the yield curve in the past, especially as it pertains to the inversion of the yeah. yield curve, um, which is when short-term treasury yields exceed the longer-term yields. Um, you know, inversion of a yield curve, you know, everyone says that it, it, it um, indicates perhaps a recession, but it could just be that people expect potentially interest rates to go up and long-term growth to stay low, correct? There's that, and I think also that they expect long-term growth to remain low, and therefore they expect inflation to remain low. So, okay. you know, if you if you feel that you've got long-term liabilities 10, 20, 30 years, you go out on the Treasury curve, and you feel that you're getting a decent rate of return, despite the fact that the Fed is trying to tighten up. But I would say that, look, there's the, the, the yield curve is flattening, but there's a big difference between flattening and inversion. And... Uh, we had periods before of of, uh, of of flattening yield curves where the stock market just powered right through it. So it, I, that in itself isn't isn't a concern. I know we write about it because it's something that we you know want to keep an eye on, but the big risk comes, uh, I think, with a with a big inversion where you've got something like the Fed funds rate at four, five, six percent, which is what was happening in in two thousand four, five, six. Uh, and long-term treasuries, you know, at a little less than that, <laughs> and that that's that can be a problem. But so, um, and that's signaling exactly what you said. It's signaling that um, the we're coming to the end of the cycle. The Fed is over tightening, but the but the market is already anticipating the next level of easing, so they're not going to sell down their long-term holdings. So we just have to keep an eye on this. Um, but I, I'm not unduly concerned about. Uh, flattening as being an indicator of recession or a stock market, big stock market correction. But it does make it kind of uh, relatively on a risk-adjusted basis means you should be shorter rather than longer on the yield curve. But um, I, I think for now it's one of those where you kind of watch it, but it's a bit like a weather vane. You're not really sure what it's pointing to. Um, there's, a lot, there's a lot of possibilities, uh, some benign, some less less so. Uh, but 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 for now, I think it's just a matter. It's just what's happening with the inflation environment and what the Fed says it's going to do with short-term rates. Um, and lastly, I I just want to get a quick update from you around earnings um, and and what this this um, this earnings season has looked like thus far. 
Yeah, I mean, it's been good on a year-to-year number. And I think what the market is distinguishing between sort of bad good earnings and good good earnings. <laughs> so bad good earnings is uh, the company may have tripped up on top-line growth, um, but has has good um, good earnings just for the fact because the tax cuts are, mm-hmm. you know, are affecting it. And there's a great example of Philip Morris, which was down nearly 20% uh, the other day, where its earnings per share were up, its tax rate was down, but its volume estimates were down a little bit. So the market, that corrected big time. That's a big start. It's $140 mm-hmm. billion. That puts it in the top 50 easily of the S&P mm-hmm. companies. And of course, it's uh, it's a very major consumer staple. And then some of the um, uh, semiconductor companies have had the same thing. They've, you know, where there's been good earnings year over year, uh, but some of the pricing has and volume has softened a little bit, and uh, and then I was put the banks into the same category. They sh- they had great numbers, but a lot of it was their fic, the the, f- the fixed income currency and commodity trading desks, which uh, which the market I think sensibly doesn't put a high valuation on it. Those were good because vol- volatility were up, was up, and I would put that in the category of good earnings. Bad, rather bad good earnings. And I think that's what the market is distinguishing right now. You know, what what is just uh, a following wind and they're going to get it because, um, you know, trade is up and, and, and taxes are down and versus what are, you know, really good, really good uh, earnings coming through. And, uh, and you're still seeing this pull with things like Netflix, uh, you know, reporting. Netflix is a well-run company. It's uh, it's doing very well. It's very expensive stock. But, but you know, this is... It's getting rewarded, I think, for you know for good execution. Great. Well, thank you very much, Christian. Thanks to you for listening. Please join us next week. Thanks, everybody. Uh, and here's the disclosure. Please note the discussion of our investments, investment strategy, including our research investment process, represents our investments, investment strategy of Davis Commentary is subject to change without notice. We cannot assure the type of investment discussed in this commentary will about for many other investment strategy in the future, nor can we guarantee that such investments represent the best or an attractive risk-adjusted investment in the future. This is for general information purposes only. Reference to individual security should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell that security. Securities mentioned in this commentary are only several of the successful and unsuccessful investment buyers and do not represent all the securities we have purchased or the recommended. Although we deem reliable the sources of statistical and other information referred to in this stock commentary, we cannot guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any statements or numerical data past performance, no indication of future results.